That'd be our text this morning. What's the difference? And as we look right here in Matthew 26, we're going to start reading in verse number 69 and read um, through verse number 10 of chapter number 27 in the book of Matthew. But here we see a contrast between two men, two apostles that followed Jesus, uh, Peter and Judas. And we made mention of this a few weeks ago, but uh, uh, we've had this on our heart. Uh, all week long, we've uh, uh, tried our best to, uh, to study this out. And we want to, with God's help this morning, we want to uh, uh, preach on the differences between these two men. Uh, before we read this, let's, let's say this and keep this in context. They both walked with Christ. They heard the best preaching. There was none better. They walked with Christ. Um, they saw all the miracles together, arm in arm. Heard all the preaching together. Saw Lazarus raised from the dead together. Um, we need to understand that there's more about these two men that are similar than different. <clears throat> but there comes down to a place and point in time, um, and the scripture bears this out, that... Uh, an individual has to make a choice in which way he's going to go. And there's a difference. It's not our righteousness. It's not uh, what we can do or what we cannot do. It's not our physical attributes. It's not our intelligence, our intellect. It's not our level of academia. There's one thing that makes a difference in eternity. And that's Jesus. If you've put your stock or your confidence in anything other than that one thing, it will carry with it an eternal consequence. And we want to read this right now and then we'll we'll, uh, get on with uh, the thought that God has led on our heart. But in verse number 69 of of the gospel according to St. Matthew in the 26th, Chapter. The scripture reads, Now uh, Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with, was with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came upon him, uh, they that stood by him and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Uh, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, "Uh, What is that to us? See thou to that. 
And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for them to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with, and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore the field uh, was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was the field that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. We believe that be all that God have us to read in your here this morning. And we uh, pray that God would richly add his blessing to the reading of his word. But as we said in the outstart of this message, uh, the text that we want to take is what's the difference? And as we look here, as we said, uh, there's, uh, from the outside looking in, there's not anything apparently different. We know that these were two men uh, that Christ himself went down and he had called them out. Uh, and he appointed them to be apostles, to go with him, 12 disciples. These were two of the 12 disciples that Jesus handpicked. And the Bible tells us that these two men, as we earlier stated, that they walked with Christ. They've seen every miracle. We understand, and listen, there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of significance in this today. Uh, there's a lot of people say, well, uh, Judas was never trusted. Judas was the treasure. He was probably one of the most trusted. He was entrusted with the funds of the apostles. We see on many different occasions that Judas was often found. He was the one that he often challenged Jesus and the disciples. Uh, listen, when he was talking about the expense of great oils that were used, and uh, he talked about the value and the price of things. And uh, listen, he was entrusted. Uh, listen, as the collections came in, which I believe that they were probably low. They're, we're not talking about a significant amount of money. But nevertheless, he was entrusted uh, with, that, with that money. He was entrusted to watch over and make sure that they had the provisions they needed as they traveled through this world. So listen, he was a well admired, and I believe he was often trusted, uh, not just by Jesus, but those that were ab uh, among him. And then we see, contrasting that, we see a man named Peter. Uh, listen, if we see and we lead up to anything uh, in, in the Word of God, we find where Peter was a man who probably couldn't be trusted. He was a man that, uh, listen, he was hot-headed. Uh, listen, he, uh, he flowed with mounds and mounds of confidence within himself. We see oftentimes through the Scripture that, that, that there was this uh, that there was uh, this relationship between Peter and Christ. And we see uh, uh, in multiple occasions, we see where Jesus was walking on the water one day in the midst of a great storm. And the Bible says that Peter looked out in the midst and he saw Jesus walking on the midst of the sea. And he said, Lord, is it thee? And he said, yea. And he said, well, bid me to come unto thee. And he said, come. Well, Peter's the one. While the rest of them stood on the ship in fear, Peter stepped out of the boat. He began to walk and he took a couple of steps on the water the Bible tells us that he began to see the boisterous winds and waves that were, uh, listen, that were uh, compelling and crashing upon him and he was distracted. He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. But we see also where Peter off always finds his help in Christ. 
He immediately at that point in time, he looked unto, unto Jesus while he was walking to the sea and he said, Lord, save me instantaneously. Jesus put forth his hand. He draws him out of the sea, sets him, carries him in his arm back to the safety of the boat. We see another occasion uh, where Peter was on the ship. The Bible tells us that another uh, storm, uh, that, uh, listen, there again, boisterous winds and waves. The Bible tells us, uh, listen, and we can read into the scripture that, uh, listen, that the boat was fixing to be capsized. Uh, listen, the waves were so high and so great, Peter rushes down into the belly of the ship and he said, Master, care us not that we perish. Jesus says, O ye of little faith, rises from his sleep, walks out to the stern of the ship, declares to everything, everywhere, peace, be still. Uh, listen to me, friends, and I believe in accordance with the word of God, I believe that all the crickets stopped. I believe the frogs stopped croaking. There was not a ripple on the water. There was not a cloud in the sky. It was absolute perfect peace. And Peter declared what matter a man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey his voice. Peter walked with him, but Jesus did too. You see, friends, today, listen, I believe that there is a multitude of people uh, that are sold into the church and uh, we'll get to, uh, in one place in the gospel according to St. Matthew, you find that Jesus spoke a parable about a man that had a field. And the Bible said that this man that had a field, that the enemy went in in the, in the night hour and he sowed tares among the wheat. And the Bible said, listen, that the tares began to grow as they were fed and they were nourished. And the Bible says that nobody was, uh, listen, any more aware of what was going on. The scripture said that the time of, uh, listen, that the time came that they began to head out. And uh, listen, there was a differentiating factor between the wheat and the tares. And the servants went back to the owner of the field and said, Master, would you have us and we would go in and bind the tares? And he said, no, leave them alone. Let them both grow together until the time of the harvest. He said, at the time of the harvest, he said, I'll send my reapers that they may gather the tares and bind them into bundles that they may be burned. He said, but the wheat I'll gather together and lay it away in my barn." Jesus goes on to tell us, he said, that field is the world. The seed is the gospel. He said, friends, listen, the seed of the wicked one, it, listen, was the tear. He said, the reapers are the angels and the harvest is the end of time. Now, listen to me, friends, we need to understand this. Jesus explicitly spoke this to us. I, I believe emphatically that there are people sold in amongst us. I believe that they carry, that they look the same. They're even well trusted. They're even, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number seven, I listen, the scripture said, there'll be many in that day that shall declare, Lord, Lord, did we not do many wonderful works in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. This is the important part. Jesus will declare unto them in that day, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. He didn't say I once knew you. There's significance in the language. He didn't say that I once knew you and lost you. He said, I never knew you. Yeah. 
Friends, listen to me. There are people today, and you may say, well, preacher, uh, listen, messages like this, they scare me and they challenge my faith. Friends, listen to me. I'll say this. I believe in the doctrine of eternal security. I believe in the eternality and the, and the faith that we put in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that by faith through grace, He keeps us. He watches over us. Friends, listen to me. But we've got to get satisfied in our faith. There's so many people today. I believe that they have, that they've been self-deceived, that they've led themselves astray. Whether it be by a preacher, whether it be by somebody with good intention there has to come a place and point in time friends listen to me there has to be a space point in time and place in your life when you made a personal decision to take up the cross and follow Jesus So many people today, friends, listen to me. I, I, I want to preach this in, uh, listen, in expediency. I want to preach this in fervency that people need to understand and evaluate where you stand with Jesus. Now, I've said this for many years. It infuriates me. For preachers to get up and declare, listen to me, listen, that, that, that somebody that is yearning and wanting to be saved, that they, listen, I've heard this preach that they can't be. That is not scriptural. If somebody has a longing gift to be saved, you know what the Word of God says, Danny? They can be. Wow. He said, seek and you shall find, ask. Ask, you shall receive, knock, and it shall be open. The Bible teaches us active verbs. Friends, he said, take up, my, take up thy cross and follow me. We need to pursue Jesus in faith and love. Amen. Listen, we need to, with all of our soul, with all of our heart, and with all of our mind, we need to pursue the hope of eternal glory which we find only in the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, listen, there's so many people today, they're so worried about what everybody else thinks about them. They're more worried about what the church thinks about them. They're more worried about the position that they may hold within the church. I said all this to say this. I, I believe in the eternality and the security of the faith that we have in our Savior Jesus Christ. But I'd rather see somebody get saved ten times than die and go to hell. Sometimes I believe in, in, in good nature we discourage people from making sure that they're saved by the grace of God. Listen, I, I want to tell you something, friends. Listen, we, we realize that we are in a place, in a state. We live in a very performance-driven society. Uh, listen, uh, we have to live to a certain standard. We have to achieve certain things. Uh, listen, we, we, we live in a reward-based society. We talked about this a few weeks ago. If you do well in your job, uh, listen, you'll be eligible for promotion, maybe even a raise. Uh, uh, listen, because of our performance, it uh, dictates our economy. Uh, listen to me. Within the church, it works the same way. Hey, Amen. I've heard this my entire life. Haven't you? Uh, listen, well, we base a uh, 
how well a pastor's doing by the response of the church. We base how good a pastor is by how many people's being saved. We base, uh, listen, success and failure in the church by how good revival goes. We may, listen, we have so many parameters that we've established today. We've self-imposed them upon ourselves. And friends, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. Jeremiah preached his entire, listen, his entire prophet-filled ministry. Not one person repented. You see, friends, the metrics that the world has imposed on us does not dictate success and failure. I'll tell you what we should be worried about, what Jesus said. He said, fear not him which has the power to kill you, but he said, fear him which has the power not only to take your life, but to destroy your soul in hell. But Judas went down the course and he bought, <laughs> he bought the farm and he drank the Kool-Aid, whatever you want to say. But so many people today, friends, listen to me. I, I'm not standing up here. I, listen, I, I, want, I want to say this out of the earnesty and honesty of my heart. I, friends, listen. I don't want to scare somebody. That is not my intention. Friends, listen to me. I just want you to know the truth. Friends, listen, I believe in preaching in hell. I believe in uh, preaching uh, in, uh, listen, the eternality and the separation that we'll incur. Uh, listen, all throughout, all in eternity. Listen, being separated from God, I believe in those things. But friends, listen, my intention this morning is not to scare you into something. I believe far too many people have been coerced into decisions through fear. I, listen, I believe this. You know what the Bible tells me in Romans 1.16? For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know what the gospel encompasses? That encompasses the life of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That encompasses John 14 where he talks about, listen, a place that he has prepared for those that love him. That encompasses a place called heaven. That encompasses the love, the joy, the peace, and the witness that we enjoy in this present life, being full of the Holy Ghost. Listen, that, that entails all kinds of good things. Friends, listen to me. I'm going to tell you what, friends, and there's a lot of people who disagree with this comment, but I tell you, I'm too far down the line. Listen, you, I'm not trying to be combative. I promise you I'm not. But friends, listen to me. I believe somebody can get saved just because they want to go to heaven. Amen. Amen. A lot of people have heard testimonies. Listen to me. I've said it before. I got saved just so I could miss hell. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that, kid. But you know what that automatically doesn't mean, Eric? Listen, if somebody wants to get saved because they, they, they want to go to heaven, you know what? That's fine too. 
But see, we've developed these presuppositions that we believe that we bring and we bleed into the church and we bleed it into people around us. Friends, listen to me. They're nothing but philosophies that we brought in from man. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. We need to get back to reading and studying the Word of God. Jesus spoke many hard sayings. Many people departed and left. He asked Peter in one place. The Bible says after he fed 5,000 men, not including women and children, that he spoke a hard saying. And the Bible said many of the people which followed after him departed and looked to Peter and said, Peter, would thou also go away? He said, Lord, to whom else shall we go? For thou hast the words of life. Just a fisherman. He wasn't educated. He wasn't intellectual. He didn't have a high societal standard. He wasn't regarded well among his peers. He was just a fisherman. Jesus told him, he said, Peter, you're a fisherman. He said, but if you come and you follow me, he said, I'll make you a fisher of me. Friends, listen, we need to do things. We need to seek God. Now, what's the difference? We're going to get back to this. Listen, there's so many passages of Scripture. Uh, Listen, and I would encourage you to go home. I'm not going to riddle these off to you here this morning, but I want you to go home and I want you to study this. Jesus said this about the man that betrayed him. Jesus said it was better that he had not even been born. He told us, Jesus spoke these specific words. He said he was a devil from the beginning. Now listen, this goes to drive a point that we want to discuss against, again this morning. Friends, knowledge does not equal causation. I've said this and I'm going to continue to preach this until you hear it. Amen. Just because you have the knowledge of something does not imply that you caused it. Christ is omnipotent from eternity past. Friends, listen, he knows all things that are possibly knowable because Jesus prophesied of these things does not in any, in any circumstance imply that he caused these things. Friends, listen to me. There's certain things in our life that are determined and we need to come to grips in reality with that. That's why I believe in a version of what's called limited uh, libertarian freedom. Friends, listen, I could not control to whose family I was born into. I could not control what geography, what state, what county I was born into. I can't control my height, my hair color, my eye color. I can't control a lot of things in my life. And there are things in my life that have been determined. Friends, listen, but God knew those things. Circumstances, causes. Now, let's evaluate this. Do you have the intellect to make a choice? Can you decide what goes on your pizza? Look at me and smile for just a minute just so I know you're listening. Some people like Diet Coke, some people like Coke, some people like Sprite. I work with a pretty mixed crowd of people. I work from a lot of people up north, have to do a lot of traveling up there. Listen, they don't believe in sweet tea. 
I just tell them it's Democrat tea. Amen. Smile. I don't mean anything bad. Listen, we're so sharply divided today that we can't even share a laugh anymore. We're so deeply divided. Our friends, our guards are always up. We're so offended. We can't poke and kid and have fun and enjoy conversations anymore. But friends, listen, we get to a place that we have to understand uh, that we can make our own choices and we can make our own decisions. Because see, the rationality behind that is if we don't have the ability to make our own choices and our own decisions, then there's not anything that in this world that is really rational. Because if I can only think one way and I can't think another way, then there's nothing in this world that says what I think is rational. So it's irrational. So friends, listen, we've come to a place at one time we've got to understand that we have choices to make in this life. Just like Judas and just like Peter. You know when, you know when uh, it's too late for a man to get saved? When he dies. The first creative act of this world, when God spoke into existence all things that are, is redemptive. It testifies of the Creator. It is a drawing. It is a wooing. Friends, listen to me. Everything that we see around us, the Imago Dei that we possess and that we have today, the nature of God, the Bible tells us that we were created in His likeness and His image. The Imago Dei, we possess that. We have a nature and the creature of God in us. Something yearning. I don't care how far away you get in sin. When you get around, when you get, when you remove yourself from the crowd, and you remove yourself from all the extenuating circumstances, and you get to a place where you're all by yourself, you know there's something out there. You may not know what it is. You may not know who it is, but you know there's something bigger than you are. This world didn't come from nothing. You didn't come from nothing. You see, the error that most scientists have said today is that, that this world came from nothing, but they don't define nothing. But in reality, nothing is still something. Right? Well, define nothing to me. Well, they say that there was a place where the universe was empty. Well, that's not nothing. That's something. Amen? You see, that's why I've said so many times, you've got to have something timeless, spaceless, and immaterial. Something, listen, that lives outside of what we declare is something. His name is God. And he seeks us and he loves us and he wants to save us, friends. Listen, but we have got to make a choice. 
Peter, the Bible says, listen, Jesus told us about Peter in one circumstance and he told him, he said, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times before I'm crucified. He told him, he blatantly told him. What did he tell Judas? He said, there's one that sits with me and sits with me at this table is going to deny me. He knew what they were going to do. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen. God will use evil to bring about good. He will use evil to bring about good. You know the only way that redemption can be fulfilled? Christ had to die. How did they... How did... How did he bring that to pass? Well, couldn't he just cause those things to happen? Absolutely, he caused those things to happen. But he didn't. Man crucified Christ. And because they crucified Christ, Jesus said, I'll lay down my life, but not only will I lay it down, I'll take it up again. Choice. He told Joshua, Moses, choose Choose you to this day whom you'll serve. He said, choose blessing or choose cursing. And friends, listen to me. I'm not talking about a coerced decision. I'm not talking about something that somebody has scared you necessarily into. Friends, listen. I, listen, I understand. I remember the day I got convicted. I was scared. Why was I scared? It wasn't because of anything the preacher said. It was because I realized my standing with God. I realized that I was separated from he who gave breath. I was an eight-year-old child. I didn't understand all and everything that was going on. I knew there was something bigger than mom, something bigger than granddaddy, something way bigger than the preacher had spoke to me and was demanding a response from me. Friends, listen, we find here where Jesus uh, listen, he gave the same foretelling prophecy, same to Peter as he did to Judas. He said, one, one here is going to deny me. He told Peter specifically, you're going to deny me. Peter told him, said, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. He said, I'll go with you always, even to the end. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Amen. Friends, listen, we've got to understand that there is a choice that has to be made. And Peter, Jesus even told Peter, he said, Peter, I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, go and strengthen the brethren. Jesus caught the eyes of Judas as they sat together at the last Passover. As Judas went to dip his bread into the vinegar and oil that stood in front of Jesus and Jesus grasped his hand. He said, what you've committed to do, go do it quickly. 
choice. Did Judas, did Judas have to do what he done? No, he did not. We don't have to do anything. That's what the church needs to understand. Friends, listen to me. Judas willfully committed and made that decision. He said, listen, and to beat it all, there's a lot of, uh, listen, a lot of theological discussion about why did Judas do this? There's a lot of, a lot of theologians out there will say that Judas done this to prompt and initiate Jesus to go ahead and make sure that he would overthrow and he would push to the forefront and he would reclaim, uh, listen, uh, uh, dominance over Rome. And he would reestablish his tabernacle and his kingdom. A lot of people think that that's why Judas done it. But I'll tell you why I think Judas done it is because of his black heart. The Bible says in the book of John that when Jesus told him these things that Satan entered into Judas. And he left. The Bible says that as he met with them at the Sanhedrin court, they throwed him a bag with 30 pieces of silver. He possessed the bag of silver and the Bible says that they gave him an army of men and said, go get us Jesus. You see, friends, listen. Once you commit to one choice, you get to a place and point in time where it feels like that you can't go back. Listen, there's so many people today. I believe that you have studied and you maintained and you've walked a course because you felt like there was obligation that was in your life and you felt like you couldn't do anything different. So many people. They live the life of Judas. And they get hung up in this circle, this, this vengeance. And one choice leads to another. And listen to me, I'm going to tell you, if you ever tell a lie, you know what a lie turns into? It turns into another lie. And that lie turns into another lie because you can't maintain that lie unless you continue to lie. Judas, he pursues on. The Bible says in verse number three, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, when he saw that he was condemned, friends, listen to me. There is a difference. There is a stark difference between repentance and regret. There's a lot of things that people regret, right? Maybe you regret not doing something in your life. Maybe you regret doing something in your life. I want to read this to you, and I want you to mark this down in your Bible. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, I'm going to read to you verse number 9 and 10 because these are important verses as we begin to look, about, look at and understand Judas and Peter. The Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10, now the Scripture says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you have sorrowed to repentance. 
For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. You see that? I want us to understand, friends, listen to me. The word never changes. What are we talking about right here? We're talking about repentance. Two flavors of it. The Bible said, but that you saw it to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us and For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. The Bible says, well, uh, listen, this has been an argument for years. There's a lot of people saying what the Bible says right here, preacher, in verse number three, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders. He didn't find, he didn't go to the apostles. He didn't try and find Christ. He didn't pray. Where'd he go? He went back to the Sanhedrin. Hell is full of people today that tried to find repentance in the world and never found it. There's no doubt in my mind that Judas was sorry. There's no doubt in my mind that he even shed a tear. There's no doubt in my mind, I transmission, that at that very place, point, and time, and moment in his life, he probably didn't care what anybody thought about him. He ran in the midst of the chief priest. He took the bag of 30 pieces of silver, which was a slave's wage for a month. He sold the Lord of glory. He folded back across the table. So I won't have anything to do with this. But you see, friends, listen. He tried. He tried to make things right with the world. And if you continue to try and make things right with the world, friends, listen to me. You'll never find joy. You will never find peace. You'll never find forgiveness. How do I know that? Read the continuation of what happened to Judas. What did he do? He ran out from there. Self-pity and fear had, listen, had imploded upon him. Felt like that he couldn't go anywhere else. He ran and the Bible tells us and he ran out there, he took a rope, he threw it over a tree limb. Tied it around his neck, jumped off the cliff, hung himself and he died. What was he trying to find? He was trying to find Repentance. But he was trying to find it in the wrong thing. Peter. 
He went out of there. The Bible tells us, now let's back up right here. In verse number 75, the Bible says, And Peter, Peter remember the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. What did Peter do? Something we should do. He didn't run and try, listen to me. He didn't run back out into the world. He didn't try and find forgiveness from the world. He wept bitterly. He found himself in a place of humility. And he went to his own place. And he found himself. Just a few hours later, word had gotten back to Peter. They killed the Lord of glory. He didn't run out. He didn't do like Judas. He didn't, for sake of what he had done, he didn't take his life. And listen to me, I'm not, uh, listen, I, this message right now, I'm not preaching on suicide. Boy, that's a topic that needs to be talked about though, ain't it? Mental health issues in this world today. There's, listen, the suicide numbers and rates are higher than they're ever been. Why? Because people are convinced that nobody loves them. trying to find escape and sorrow and they're trying to find they're trying to find help in the world and the world can never get it I'm not dismissing listen I understand full well that they are mental implications on people I understand this and I'm not preaching on that right now listen so don't read on and don't read into anything amen I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, people like to take everything and put words in mouth about what I said and I ain't said such. Amen. Listen to what I'm telling you. Peter went and hid himself. He stilled away and he heard that Jesus had been crucified. And he hid himself and he stayed away. And the Bible tells us That there was a call early on the resurrection morning. Said Peter, hurry, come. He ran down to the tomb. He stuck his head. Was he looking for? He wanted to say, I'm sorry. But there was nothing I didn't know. And the angel declared unto Peter, said, Why see ye the living among the dead? For he is not here, but he is risen. 
Boy, I'm going to tell you something, Francis. The Bible tells us that Peter was a man when he seen and understand what had happened and what had transpired. The Bible tells us, listen, if you would turn with us just briefly, and I promise I'll be done to the last chapter of the book of John, we find where Jesus had had an encounter, his last encounter, listen, before he ascended with, 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 uh, with uh, Peter again. The Bible says in verse number 15 of the 21st chapter, So when they uh, dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, for thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Number one. He said unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. The third time, he saith unto him, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. Why was Peter grieved? Because he realized what Jesus was doing. Jesus told him, he said, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter examined him. And listen, and Jesus examined Peter three different times. The first time he said, yes, Lord, I love you. The second time out of a state of confusion, he said, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time they asked him, the Bible says he was grieved. Why? Because he understood that this was a place of forgiveness. Thank God where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 and 9. 2 and 1, he said, I'd write these things unto you, little children, that you sin not, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Peter, the Bible says here, uh, that he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You ever been in a place in your life where you thought you were smarter than God was? You knew what you needed better than he did? Amen. Thank God, friends, listen to me, that there's a place and a time of forgiveness. We serve a God who knows all things. The Bible tells us in the book of James, he said, all good things come down from the Father of lights. Well, we're blessed people, friends, listen, if we make the choice to follow him. Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Friends, listen to me. Thank God that there is a place, a point, and a time. The man that denied three times Jesus uh, in the same fashion went back to him. Uh, listen, he made him recuse himself on three different times, make, uh, make an admission that, Lord, I'll follow you on three different occasions. And then he told him, he said, I want you to go over here 
and get in the upper chamber of this little house over here. He said, I want you to pray. And Peter went over there and 120 others. He got up in the upper chamber of this house and he prayed day and night. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And the Bible says on the 50th day, on the day of Pentecost, as to be regarded by the Jewish culture and nation, the Bible says that there was a great sound from heaven. And that great sound from heaven, the Bible said that it came as a rushing and mighty wind. And the cloven tongue come out of God out of heaven and fell and lit upon all people. And the Bible said that the man that denied him three times that made the admonition, Lord, you know I love you, he stood up and preached the first gospel message. He didn't run away. He didn't try and find help from the world. He run to the bosom of Christ and all of his sin. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, the way that the, the world and the church, the way, the way we, we execute judgment upon people, I'm going to tell you what. There's a lot of people. There is a vast majority of people in the church house today. God knows your heart. You say, well, I've got it here. You don't have nothing here. You hadn't outrun anything. I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of people in the church house today, they've got a black heart with nothing but harmful intentions. Listen to me, I'm going to say something. And hear me good when I say this. They always show up pretty easy. Especially when money's involved. You know? Listen, I don't work for fun. I tell them this at work. There's a lot of people say, well, I don't know what I'd do if I work. I don't. Thank God for what He's given me, for the ability that He's given me, and I enjoy what I do at work. I thank God that I can, that I can work, and, 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 and the things that He's done for me. But listen to me, friends. Listen, I work because they pay me. <coughs> if they don't pay me, Wayne, I ain't going. Amen. I don't like it that much. I go for a reason. It's for money. I understand that our worlds revolve around money. I understand that it takes money to live. But friends, listen to me. They, people show themselves in the church when they start talking about finances and the economics of things. They start shutting things down because it costs too much. Amen? You ever been around that? I listen, we can't do that because it costs too much. We got $100,000 sitting in the bank. All right, I know it's going to be quiet now. <laughs> We've got $100,000 sitting there preaching and we're saving. You understand what that sounds like? Do you believe Jesus is coming today? Wayne, you believe he's coming today? I believe he could. Don't you? If I believe that, Danny, if I believe that, why am I not doing everything I can now to see people say, what are you saving it for? 
We've all got retirement funds, don't we? I, I put money away every week because I hope I get long and I live long enough to retire. I don't know if I will or not. But listen, if I die before I get to use it, I, listen, I, I've got my children set up as beneficiaries. Hopefully they can use it. Hopefully they can enjoy it. Hopefully their families can enjoy it. But friends, listen to me. We need to understand today, our friends, if we're going to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to do it now. We need to do it expediently. Our friends, listen, there are things that are important in this world. And lost souls is at the top of the list. Now, saying all that, now that everybody, and you know I can, say, I can make a comment like that and make everybody mad at once. <laughs> no partiality in that comment. <laughs> but you see, friends, listen, that's where we've come to. We believe Jesus could come today. But we're going to hold on to him a little bit because he may not. And the may nots often outweigh the best. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But friends, listen, what I'm telling you is there's a choice that has to be made. There's a, there's a choice that has to be made from an individual perspective in regards to salvation. There's a choice that has to be made in how we're going to live out our Christian life. There's a choice that has to be made how we're going to function as a church. There's a choice that has to be made how we're going to function as a body to the community. There's a choice that has to be made how we're going to treat the younger generation in our church. How are we going to treat the older generation in our church? Friends, are we going to stay the same or are we going to try and Francis, what did Jesus tell us to do? He said, go down to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know what Jesus is asking us today? Do you love me? We say, yeah, Lord, we, you know us. Do you really love me? Yeah. Lord, you know my heart. No. Do you love me? That last time that Peter gave a response, he realized, I'm not fishing anymore. I'm not here to make friends. Anymore. I'm not here to do this for myself anymore. Lord, yes, I love you. He said, Good. Feed my sheep. And I'll say this I, I, listen, there's probably going to be a lot of churches in the future generations that are going to be really mad at me because I've told all the younger preachers. Told them all. <coughs> There's a lot of petty congregations. Very few well fed. Right? We want him because he'll take care of us. You know, I guess a lot of this comes from, I, listen, I don't mean to talk, and I'm done. Y'all come to the piano with a song. 
I guess a lot of the reason the way that I pastor is probably because of the way I was raised. My mama's not a hugger and a kisser. If you don't know if she loves you, you can figure it out. Because she shows her love. In, in her older age, she's got the word. She cries a lot. And she leaves because she still don't want nobody to see her cry. I never saw that side of her. Friends, listen, there has to come a place and point in time where it's all about what we can do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, listen to me. I want you to understand. I love you. I cherish you. I love God's church. I really do. But I have not done anything. If you come in Sunday morning and you leave Sunday morning and you are none the better than you were than you came in, if you're still hungry, if you're still cold, if you are still searching and looking for something, I have not fulfilled my obligation to feed you. Now, I may not have patted you on the head like you wanted, and I'll go ahead and say I'm sorry to all of you. I'm just not good at it, and I'm not making excuses. I, I'm not. But I want to make sure that there's a well-fed flock, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Stand your feet this morning. What choice have you made? Do you know where you stand this morning? Are you sure you know where you stand? Well, i tell you something, friends, listen. I, I wouldn't talk anybody in this world out of anything. That's not what I'm here to do. I want you to be sure of what you do have. Well, I'm glad I've got confidence in what I do have. I know what I have. I know where I failed. I know I'll fail again. But I'm glad that I know the choice that I've made in my life. When I step out of this life and step into eternity, I know that I'll be at home in heaven with my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am His and He is mine. Do you know this morning? What choice have you made? Where do you stand? Why would we sing?